Well, good evening to you all. It's great to see you all tonight. And tonight we're back in 2 Timothy. We're looking at chapter 3, verses 10 to 17. And before I read and pray, I thought I'd give a, a quick overview of the last sermon to help with where we're at tonight. And the earlier verses of chapter 3, we saw Paul writing to Timothy and warning him of false teachers in the church who, who teach another gospel message that's in opposition to the truth of God. And what do we do with these false teachers? We avoid associating with them, as it said in our passage last time. Why? Because they're people corrupted in mind. And their foolishness will one day be made plain for all to see. And in doing this, we hold fast to this truth, a truth that is encompassed in Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. And now in verse 10, Paul is shifting Timothy's attention. After telling Timothy to watch out for false teachers, he now reminds Timothy that he is not like these false teachers in the church. In fact, Timothy has seen closely the life of Paul. And he has now seen Paul and how he's lived for Christ and been faithful to the Scriptures. And Paul's his testimony and his sufferings attested to this. And Timothy is now to continue in God's Word, the Bible, if he is to live for Jesus and follow Him. See, God's Word will equip Timothy for the task of living for Jesus and serving Him. And that's where we come to a passage. So if you have your Bibles, please open to 2 Timothy, chapter 3. We're going to read verses 10 to 17. Let's hear from God's Word. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Let me pray before we hear from God's word tonight. Gracious Heavenly Father, and we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you have given it to us. And Lord, as it's preached tonight, I pray that the words spoken may not be my words, Lord, but yours, Lord. I pray that your spirit may be working in our hearts and our lives, Lord, changing us and shaping us to the image of Christ. I pray, Father, that, Lord, you may continue, Lord, by the power of your spirit to work in our hearts for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For those of you who know me, you know that I love sport. I love sport. And I love watching sports and I love seeing big crowds. 
like seeing the state of origin this week in South Australia or seeing people pack out the mighty MCG. I really love when people pack out a stadium with a large crowd. Uh, The sight is amazing. It's amazing to watch an Irish rugby game and see the whole stadium packed out with people wearing green. I also like American US, sorry, college, US college football games. And I love watching the University of Texas. And if you watch one of their games, the whole crowd is wearing orange. But there's one sight I don't like. I don't like seeing one, uh, a game of Australia playing New Zealand and Eden Park in Auckland. Uh, every seat has someone wearing a black jersey. And I sometimes think to myself, what if I went to New Zealand, wear my gold Australian jersey in the sea of black jerseys, what, what would happen? I think it would be pretty confronting and pretty hostile, really. I'm an Australian supporter and everyone else is an all-black supporter and every fibre of their being is telling them, this guy shouldn't be here. They're, They're opposed to me because I do not follow their team. See, one thing that I hope I don't do in such a situation is to take off my gold jersey and put on a wretched All Blacks jersey. Ah, that would be bad. But, you see, I need to stand firm as an Australian supporter. I need to hold fast to my Australian citizen, citizenship, even in the face of opposition. And this is exactly what Paul is telling Timothy to do in our passage tonight. He's saying that in the face of persecution, hostility, and opposition to the gospel, he's saying, Timothy... Hold fast to your faith in Jesus by coming back to God's Word. God's Word will equip you to know Jesus and live for Him in all circumstances. So remember this tonight. God's Word, the Bible, equips us to know Jesus and live for Him in all circumstances. I want to share with you three things from the passage tonight. One, living in persecution from verses 10 to 13. Two, living in faith, in verses 14 and 15. And three, living in Scripture, verses 16 to 17. So let's look at the first thing I want to share with you. Living in persecution. If there's a a good example of what it is to suffer for Christ, the Apostle Paul is that example. And, And Timothy, he's had the great privilege of seeing that with his own eyes. If you look at verse 1, we see that Timothy has watched Paul closely. He's followed what Paul has taught. He's seen Paul's conduct and how he's gone about ministry. And he knows what Paul's aim is, who he puts his faith in, and his patient endurance. Timothy has seen Paul's love for the gospel and his love for all of God's people. And sadly, Timothy has also seen Paul face great harm and danger. If you look at Acts chapter 13 and 14, you'll see Paul and the other disciples having to leave cities like Antioch, Iconium and Lystra 
because they're either forced out or they're stoned out of those areas. Why? Because people are opposed to the gospel message that they bring. Timothy is, is seeing this. He's living amongst them. And even in such sad times though, in difficult times, God is good and merciful. As verse 11 finishes, the Lord rescued Paul from these situations. See, what we see in verse 11 and in Paul's ministry is that people are opposed to Paul. It's not Paul personally they're opposed to. They're opposed to the message of repentance and salvation that is only found in Jesus. This is the message that Paul proclaims ever so boldly and without shame. And it's this message that Paul is telling Timothy to hold fast to and proclaim as well. However, Timothy should expect one thing, persecution. Please look at verse 11 with me. It says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Timothy will face persecution. He might not be stoned and dragged through the streets of many cities the way Paul's been, but he will have tough times. And Paul guarantees him of this with the word will. It's not an if or a might. You will be persecuted, Timothy. Now, I think it's very important here that I define to you the word persecution for all of us tonight. See, when most of us think of the word persecution, um, what do we think of? What do we generally think of? Just, just, just think about that, ponder that. What do we think of when we think persecution? We might think of people being beat up for their faith or even killed. Um, people being tortured put in prison, people having hot water poured on their legs because they believe in Jesus. And we heard Marcel from Voice of the Martyrs share that last week. See, persecution has a spectrum and the things I've described are on one end of that spectrum. You see, persecution can be best described as an opposition to those who believe in Christ. Opposition to those who believe in Christ. What, what might that look like for you and I as we live here in the West? Well, you might face persecution or opposition from family members who don't agree with you because you're a Christian. They might shun you socially. They might make fun of you all the time whenever they see you. They exclude you from things. They take you off the family will or other ways. They'll seek to try and harm and hurt you because of what you believe. You might face that from your family. You might also face opposition from people in your workplace. People might force you to work on Sundays when they know you're a Christian. They might force you in the office to affirm things that you disagree with biblically because they know that you disagree with them. 
and people might laugh at you or even seek to use their power to embarrass you. And also in an age of social media and technology, you might also face opposition when you post things on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. People, people may, in response, send you harmful comments or you might get unfriended or even banned from these platforms. See, like Timothy, know this. If you desire to live a godly life for Jesus, you will be persecuted. You will face opposition. Why? Because people are not opposed to you. They're opposed to the one you believe in, Jesus. People don't face opposition for being good. So realize that people do face opposition when they live for Jesus. See, there's a difference between goodliness and godliness. They're not the same thing. You see, when you live and proclaim Christ, people will oppose the truth you believe. People will be offended by the gospel. For Paul, for Timothy, for the Christian, we can endure suffering and opposition in life. And this is because, this is because we are in Christ. The one who lived not just a godly life, he lived the most perfect life. He did this so that we can look forward to a life with no more pain, no more suffering, and no more tears. You might face opposition in different ways on this earth, but do not fear. Do not fear. There will be a time when those who believe in Christ will spend eternity with Him in perfect peace and unity. Oh, how beautiful that day will be when there will be no more suffering, no more shame, no more tears. So stand firm, brothers and sisters, stand firm. Don't be like those who, who waver in their faith and flee from opposition. I don't know if you've seen someone do that this week, but I did. A baseball player, a pitcher in Canada, he fled from opposition. This week, this baseball player called Anthony Bass, or Bass, of the Toronto Blue Jays, he had earlier shared an Instagram post of a video encouraging Christians to boycott companies like Target and Bud Light because these companies were promoting uh, unbiblical agendas that were against God. And after Bass had received, or Bass had received criticism by posting this video, do you know what he did? He took the post down, he made a public apology, and he said that he affirms everything that his baseball team stands for. In that moment when I read this, all I could want to say to Anthony was, No, Anthony, why did you give in to the media and the world? Why didn't you stand firm in the faith? Anthony, 
all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. We've been doing Discipleship Explored on Wednesday nights, Joel and myself and our Bible study group and a Christian pastor from Kosovo named Simo Ralevich. He, he is a man who faced a lot of opposition in his time in ministry in Kosovo and Serbia during a great time of war. And he faced a lot of uh, opposition for his faith in Jesus. And he has this quote, and it's a quote that encouraged me, and it's a quote that he, he gives for people who live in the West. He says, For Christians in the West, I wish you persecution. Then you will know sweetness of Christ. You may think that I am cruel, but I am not. I wish you the best. And the best always comes from Christ. When you are out of Christ is only death. In Christ is life. If you are in Christ, endure opposition. Be patient. The Lord has has rescued you into an eternal hope that is greater than anything you can imagine. This is contrary to the false teachers, though, who deceive and are being deceived. And we're reminded in verse 13 that their fate will go from bad to worse. So what do we do? What do we do? How do we continue in the faith when we face opposition to it? This leads us to verses 14 and 15. And the next thing tonight that I want to share with you, that is living in faith. Paul tells Timothy in verses 14 and 15 to continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. What's Timothy to continue in? He is to continue in what he's learned. As chapter chapter 1 says, Timothy was taught the scriptures, we're talking about the Old Testament here, from his mum and grandma, who had a faith in Jesus, and he's also learnt it from Paul. And they taught him faithfully, and he is to continue in them. He used to make being in scripture a habit of life. See, Paul is giving Timothy a clear command here. He's saying to Timothy, Don't stop learning from the scriptures. Why? Because they make you wise for salvation. What is the means, though, for all this to happen? How is Timothy made wise for salvation? How does this wisdom come about? It's first and foremost through faith in Jesus Christ. Without being in Jesus and having faith in him, Timothy will not understand anything. He'll he'll read the Old Testament and it won't make any sense to him. But if God is working through Timothy, through the power of his spirit, if God is allowing Timothy to see the truth that is Jesus and have faith in him, this is how Timothy will see how the whole Old Testament points to Jesus. 
and is fulfilled in him. See, Timothy needs faith, and that faith is in Jesus. What does this look like? Well, I want you to imagine if tomorrow morning, 3am, a stranger comes to your house, knocks on the door, and says they want to sleep in a bed in your house. Uh, You should say, go home and go sleep in your own bed. Now, imagine, I want to imagine, imagine if I went to my parents' home tomorrow morning at 3am, knocked and banged on their door and said, I need to sleep in one of your beds. They would let me in. They'd let me in because I'm their child. I'm in their family. Now, think about God. How are we in his family? See, this is only possible if we put our faith and trust in his one and only son, Jesus. And through faith in Jesus only, we can know God and we can live with him. You see, he welcomes us when we knock on his door at any time. He offers any bed. He makes us part of his family and he welcomes us with open arms. This is how special it is to be in Jesus. And if you're here tonight and you don't have faith in Jesus, I urge you to turn to him. Salvation cannot be found in yourself, your good works, finding your own path or another God. It's only found in Jesus Christ. He is the only How can you truly know this? How can you seek and find? Come to the Bible. Come to God's Word. In it you will learn. In it you will see the truth. In it, and in the Bible, you will see what Christians believe and are willing to suffer for. It's right here. And whether whether you're a young Christian or you're much more advanced in your faith and in your in the years, you're an older Christian, heed the words of Paul. And continue in what you have learned and firmly believed in. See, being in God's Word is not a once-off. Once you come to know Jesus and the Word of God, you don't stop and say, I've learned it all, all the important things I know, I now have what I need to know, and I don't need to know more. No. This is dangerous thinking. How can can believers avoid being deceived by false teachers, as we were reminded earlier on this passage? How do they they navigate the challenges of life so that they can make godly decisions? It's by continuing in God's Word. It's not a one-off. It's a discipline. You persevere at it. You see, reading a Bible is not a test of endurance to see who can read the most in their life. Reading your Bible gives you the strength and wisdom to endure in your faith. It's not quantity, it's quality. What you get out of what you read. And in theological terms, we call the Bible a means of grace. What do I mean by that? The Bible 
is a means, hear this, that God uses to sustain and keep his people in the faith. I'll say that again. The Bible is a means that God uses to sustain and keep his people in the faith. God is a God who speaks. And he's spoken through his word. And as verse 16 says, these are the very words of God breathed out for us. Ten years ago, Emanuela became a Christian. She understood that she was a sinner in need of a saviour and she turned to God and put her faith in Jesus. And this was after she had read the Gospel of John. And in the last ten years, Emanuela hasn't done a great amount of reading compared to others, but she's persevered in God's Word. She reads just one chapter a week and she meditates on it. And she's, she's slowly, even after 10 years, slowly reading more of a Bible because she's hungry for more and is growing ever more. Ever, all, that, all that, sorry, she's growing slowly. But now... Emanuela, she's been challenged throughout the last 10 years. And you know what Emanuela says when she looks back, and when she thinks about what she's read and her time in Scripture? Now she says this. She says, If I wasn't in God's Word, even just a little bit, like that one chapter a week, I wouldn't be where I am. You see, people have tried to deceive me. I've also had to make tough life decisions like what to look for in a husband and how to be a godly wife. I've had to look at my heart and learn to show grace and mercy to my enemies. And you know where I found wisdom and guidance in those decisions? I found it in God's Word. I found it when I learned more about God's perfect Son who lived the perfect life I fail to live. Can you see just how vital God's Word is for every aspect of our lives? See, we need to hold firm to what we have been taught and have firmly believed in. We need to let God's Word sustain us through all of life's challenges and trials. Now, the last thing I want to share with you tonight is from verses 16 to 17. And the third, third thing is living in Scripture. God has prepared good works for His people to do. Now, the Scriptures equip us to undertake these tasks. And they supply us with all the wisdom we need for the task at hand. They're a means of grace, as I just mentioned. God uses His Word to sustain and protect us right to the end. More than anything, we need to be reminded that the Scriptures are God's very Word spoken and given to us. Let that sink in. God's very Word given to us. The God who made us, who made the world, who made the heavens. He flung stars into space. He knew us before we were even born. He has spoken and He speaks to us. special is that? 
I love to speak to friends and family on the phone. I want to know how they are. I want to, I want to share my heart with them and I want them to share their heart with me. The God who made you speaks to you. He wants you to know him and hear his voice. God speaks to us through his holy word with the power of his Holy Spirit. And we cannot, we cannot forget the importance of the third person of the Trinity when we talk about Scripture. Because it's the Holy Spirit working in God's prophets to write these words down. It's also the same Holy Spirit that works in our hearts to illuminate these very words of God and cause us to understand them. Without the Spirit, reading the Bible becomes just another academic task. You see, anyone can pick up the Bible and read it. Anyone can try and comment on it. But only those who have believed in God and have His promised Holy Spirit working in them will truly understand these words. Don't know about you, but there are times when reading the Bible is tough. It's tough. It can be like going through a jungle and not knowing where you are. I mean, books like Leviticus that speak about blood and animals, um, books like One Kings that explain kings who are bad and go wayward, books like Revelation that give you imagery and numbers, these books are hard to read. In fact, sometimes you're left not knowing what the book is saying. But what must our attitude be when we come to Scripture and we come to God's Word? How can we know what God is saying? See, we must first come to God in prayer, seeking His Spirit and depending not on ourselves or our intellects or our abilities, but depending on Him to give us the understanding we need. And we must also be patient and persistent. It's not easy, but God is gracious. He reveals His truth to us in His perfect timing. So don't give up reading a Bible when it seems tough. Remember, all Scripture is profitable and beneficial. All Scripture can teach us and train us for works of service. All Scripture will rebuke and show us our faults, correcting us. And more than anything, remember this, the Scriptures, they don't change. They don't change. I mean, look, look at this building. It wasn't here quite a few years ago. And the previous building, it changed. This building will change. This, this pulpit here, this will change. Uh, Many of us here who come to this church and walk through those doors week in, week out, we will change. None of us will be here in 150 years. The pastors of this church will one day not be here. Even the Bibles in your pews will change. We changed from the NIV to the ESV last year and the Bibles changed. But you know what won't change? What, what will remain the same? The words of God in our Bible. 
they will never change. God's very words breathed out to us will remain the same. And I hope and pray that that our church will always have someone preaching faithfully from God's word. We'll always have connect groups that are always wrestling with God's word. We'll always have children's and youth ministries that are always coming back to God's word in all that they do. I hope and pray that there is no teaching in our church that ignores the Bible. Why is that? Because it's God's word that equips us and equips his people for works of service, for every good work, as it says in the text. So I want you to ask yourself, do you let God's word equip you for every good work? Does it shape the way you love your family? Does it shape the way you serve your wife or husband? Does it shape the way you teach and discipline your children? Does it shape the way you treat your friends and colleagues? In John chapter 6, Jesus is teaching, but his teaching is very hard for the disciples to understand. In fact, they grumble because it's very difficult for them to make any sense of the things that Jesus is saying. And then Jesus says in verses 65 to 69, hear these words, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. If you collected every piece of literature that was written in the world throughout all time, the eye couldn't comprehend it. And people all over the world, past, present and future, have looked for meaning. They've looked for purpose and words that bring some sort of form of hope for them. And people, every day, they read the Quran, the Bhagavad Gita, the Sutras, the Guru Granth Sahib, and many other books. You know what? In none, none of these books, will you ever find eternal life. It's only in one book, the Bible where God has powerfully spoken and given us the words of eternal life. Words that transform the vilest of sinners, that change the hardest of hearts, and that assure and comfort the saddest of souls. Where else can we go? Where else can we find the words of life? Nowhere else, nowhere else but in God's Word. We're going to sing soon. And as we do, please remember this. God's words are wonderful, unfolding like the dawn. 
They're the wellspring and the rock that we rest upon. They're promises that keep our hope alive. They steady us throughout life's weary climb. This is the holy word of God. Please don't go anywhere else. Come to God's word. God speaks to us with his eternal words of life. They transform us. They change us from the inside out. And they rescue and redeem us. Through God's powerful Holy Spirit working in our lives. So remember, God's word equips us to know Jesus and live for him in all of life's circumstances. Let me pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have the words of life. Lord, where else can we go? Lord, may we continue, Lord, to come back to you, come back to your word. Lord, may that shape us, may that shape our hearts, our thoughts, our attitudes. May that shape every aspect of our life. Lord, may your spirit also continue to work in our hearts so we can understand your word and that we can live according to your word each and every day. We pray all of these things in the name of Jesus. In his name we pray.